Whether you believe you can do a thing or not, you are right. Henry Ford's admonition is something I believe we need to adhere to. What we believe about our learning environments and what we believe about learning will impact what we do. It'll impact how we create our learning environments. What do you believe? And what is it causing you to do? Welcome to another session of our Learner's Mindset Discussion. I'm Dr. Dwayne Harapnik, and this is my colleague. Dr. Talissa Thibodeau. Today, we're going to be exploring a quote from Henry Ford, uh, a very popular quote, whether you believe you can do a thing or not, you are right. But we're going to do so within the context of learning. And we're going to look at some recent events and some circumstances, and we're going to take a look at the notion of who you believe you are or what you believe you're able to do or what your identity is and how important that is in terms of the things that you do. And we're going to go down the path of looking at, it's not only important for you to believe something, but it's also important if you're an educator, what are you helping your learner to believe? And what are you helping your learner or who are you helping your learner to become? And these are really important things. So we're going down that path today. Any thoughts before I you know, jump into a, a bit of an explanation about why I'm going down this path or uh, any thoughts before we, we, I go into my little diatribe? One thing I think about is, you know, as a former educator, it, sometimes I allow the standards, the competencies and the knowledge and the skills, all of those pieces to mold and shape who I wanted my learners to become instead of asking the question, who do my learners want to become? There needs to be a little mix and blend of those things. What, what are our learners passionate about? What do they believe? And we also have to ask ourselves those things because we need to be clear about what we believe, what our passions are so to help us in moving forward with our life and the decisions that we make and how you know, key decisions impact other things and other parts of our life. So we want to get pretty clear on some of those things so that we can then allow our learners to mold and shape who they want to become, at the same time learning those necessary skills to help them get there. I'm glad you... You, you talked about that notion of shaping and molding, and, and it gives me a wonderful segue into um, a, a little bit of uh, justification for why we're going down this path. And, and I want to explain something. Sure, and in these discussions, we're talking about a lot of the work that we're doing within our DLL program, but we're also talking about the research we're doing. And I'm going to share some research that I've been working on for over 20 years, and this is a longitudinal study. And I'm no different than B.F. Skinner and a bunch of other academics. I've been experimenting on my sons for a long time. I have, they are my part of my longitudinal study. And I've been looking at their history and their capacity and their abilities over the years. And I had a, uh, there was a couple of events that happened over the weekend that added to my research. And, and if you've read our COVA ebook, you, you know that I've talked about this before. And as a constructivist-based learner, that, that's my fundamental philosophy. The, the notion of making a meaningful connection is extremely important. Uh, and equally important is creating that learning environment. So um, over the years, I've been looking at the impact of learning environments and how they actually help the learner be able to do the things that they can do in the future. And when we talk about who your learner will become, I right now have the ability to point to characteristics of, from a longitudinal perspective, of two very key subjects in my research. 
and how they have grown over the last decade or more and what they're able to do. And, and I want to go down this path. And I, I want to start with sharing some results of the weekend. This past weekend, my older son, Levi, uh, was racing in a national Canadian national ranked race um, here in the lower mainland. And this is um, the second year racing this race as a pro. Last year was the first year he raced the race, and he didn't finish that well. He had a lot of problems, issues, mechanical issues. He, um, he might not have even come in better than 39th. It might have been in the 40s. He didn't do that great. He was quite disappointed in it. Um, this year, he finished 14th. So within one year, he moved up a significant amount. And after a conversation with him, I, I learned that he made – three maybe four key mistakes he had one little crash and he he, he refers to them as sort of a you know a, a brain fob so to speak in terms of making errors you know i have another he has another term for it that i didn't want to use but so he made three really fundamental mental mistakes and if he wouldn't have had the, that one crash and those three mistakes he knows he would have been on the podium in the top five and his response was yeah dad i i, I am a pro I, I can do this. He had, a, he had a little grin on his face and he recognized that all the work that he's done over the last you know, number of years, last four or five years of training is starting to pay off, but he really is a pro. Not only is he a pro, he also recognizes that he's learned how to do this. He's a lifelong learner. His discipline as a professional athlete is a discipline of continual learning, problem solving. He's got an ongoing project. It's a never-ending project, and he's always working on it. He's always making adjustment. He's always taking feedback from his circumstances, feedback from his coach, his dad, and feedback from other coaches. He does have other coaches. And he's always making those adjustments, and, and he's working towards that. And so it was really exciting to see his success that's been over a decade in the making. And his attitude towards his ability is really an attitude that we had – uh, or I, I believe that I was influential, influential in helping him to establish when he was younger. Both he and his younger brother, who also had a major success this past weekend, and, and he's got a, a success coming up next month that is going to come to fruition, and I'll, I'll talk about that in just a minute. But my, my two boys have lived a life of working on real-world projects and solving real-world projects. They have over a decade of problem solving. They have over a decade of building and creating and responding to the challenges of projects. And it's made a difference in their life. And so this quote from Henry Ford, whether you believe you can do a thing or not, you're right. And, and this quote actually did come from Henry Ford. It was published in the uh, Reader's Digest in 1947. And, it, and, and you have to understand, Henry Ford really was not the originator of this. Virgil was in the Ennead. And Virgil, and I believe um, the uh, 17th century poet Dryden had used this notion of the power of your belief. And so this, this, this type of thinking that Henry Ford uh, talked about was really quite common in their day back in the mid 40s, 50s, 60s, right? It was very, very prevalent. And it also goes back to Norman Vincent Peale, the power of positive mental attitude. So this type of thinking about what you believe about who you are is right. It's such a powerful thing. And I think we have an opportunity to help our learners become who they can become if we help them change their belief. What are your thoughts before I go into a few more of the details? 
I think of a quote back in my undergraduate years, and I've shared this before, but from, and it won't spill off the quote because I believe I've shared it before, but learning how to turn challenges into opportunities for growth and making those growth opportunities golden is exactly what I think, you know, Levi's done here. And I think that what the mindset that we have really shapes our identity. It really does. It shapes and influences whether or not we believe we can do something or we believe we can't, going back to that quote. Um, you know, I was talking with a student today and I said, you know, when I, when I went and I, I selected some of the degrees that I went to school for, I, I remember running my finger down the list and I said, which one challenges me the most? And I picked one, I thought, this one might be difficult, might be a little bit harder for me. This is not an area I'm comfortable in, but it's an area that I can grow in. And I love the idea of adjusting, tweaking, and molding. You know, our students build out their innovation plans and they share them on their e-portfolios. Sometimes they get stuck in this, got to be one way, this is all I can do. I can't change it now that I'm past the course. But we're talking about life here. We're talking about life, making decisions about life and, and your mindset and where you allow, I told my students last week in a session, where you allow yourself to go is defined by the boundaries you set up for yourself. So you have to knock down those walls and, and those, those particular moments that cause you to uh, fail backwards so that you can do some failing forward. And or like, like Levi did, a great example of turning that, that failing uh, or that opportunity where last year we came 39th, 40th or somewhere in that area to fail forward and, and do some deliberate practice and turn that, that challenge into an opportunity for growth. It's about that mindset. And what's so important about what you said is that feedback piece, listening to other people, you know, not just hearing them, but listening to them, the coaches, the guides, the facilitators and mentors. And this reminds me, there's a lot of parallels of what you're talking about and what you've done over the last 20 years in your longitudinal research with some of the work that we do here and in our, our uh, up and coming Cobo PL. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I appreciate the fact that you're making the connection between um, helping people to believe something about their life and then equipping them to be able to use that belief in their daily lives. And this is, this is so, so important. Yeah, I'm, I've been doing a longitudinal study. Levi had a great success. Um, you know, he's got another race coming up in, in next month. And, you know, his attitude is, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be on the podium. Uh, he, he's already imagining where he's going to be. He's recognizing, yeah, I can, I can compete with the big guys. Yeah. So it's only my second year at this race at this level in this class, but yeah, I'm, I'm there. I can do this. So, you know, it, it, it's different. He has a little grin on his face. He's, he's a very calm, quiet, reserved kind of guy. And, and you don't see him doing a Snoopy dance, jumping around. But when he's got that little smirk on his face, you know that it's working. And that, that's, that smirk on his face, I think, is really important. And I, I, I want to touch on something that I think is really important. So this is a major success. Um, and it's a milestone. But if we prepare our learners for life, then it isn't just the major successes that we prepare them for. It's every day. And I want to touch on some other everyday activities that Levi dealt with. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Caleb as well. And, and again, the reason this is important is that this is an everyday activity. Um, very, very important that we understand that we have the ability to influence how our learners live every day. And if we create the right type of environment and we help them develop the right belief in themselves, it changes everything that they do. So uh, 
one more little example. <clears throat> uh, Levi purchased a, a very specific type of a truck because we drive up and down mountains all the time. And our, our old truck, a Ford F-150, we kept on burning out manifolds because of all the heat and we had problems with brakes. Because when you drive up the mountain, guess what? You got to drive down. And if you don't have the right type of configuration, you can cause mechanical problems. And so he, he purchased a heavy duty diesel truck that would allow us to drive easily up the mountains and everything's heavy duty. So it, it lasts longer and, and it works great. The only issue is diesel trucks are quite complicated, very expensive to fix. And so um, last year he did some work on it and he replaced a, a thousand dollar part. He, he bought well, a $2,000 part. He, he got it used, paid a thousand dollars for it. Well, that part failed again. And he's been doing some research on fixing that particular part on his truck. And he found a potential solution, uh, replacing a motherboard, but that re would require him taking apart some sophisticated electronics he hadn't done before. Um, but it wasn't a big deal. He ordered the part and he put it in. Now, um, before I tell you whether or not it worked, I need to go back. I need to go back 12, uh, almost 11 or 12 years. When my boys were just eight and nine at the time, um, I had bought them a guitar. They were interested in a guitar, a, a Fender Stratocaster. And if anybody is listening to this, they know that Fenders have a notorious problem where you plug the, um, the sound cable into the bottom of the uh, guitar, there's a, an input where the jack goes. Well, guess what? This, this moves around a little bit and the uh, wires break. So it's very common to have to take it into the shop, take it apart, get it soldered, and get it fixed. Well, um, that happened to the boys' guitar. They had had it for a few weeks, and young boys, we're talking eight and nine, or it might have been eight and 10 at the time, young boys, they're not very careful. Yeah, they, okay, so they were rough with it, and it broke sooner than expected, and it stopped working. Well, like any good father, I should have taken it into the shop, and maybe I'm not a good father, but I actually challenged them to figure out if they could fix it. And so you've got two young boys, eight, eight and 10 or eight and nine, going on the internet, figuring out, dad, dad, I, I think there's a wire broken on the jack thingy. And I says, great, so how are you guys gonna fix it? Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll get back to you. Um, and so over a course of a day, I, I was at the office, I was getting phone calls every once in a while, dad, dad, yeah, I think we have to solder it, okay? So on the way home, can you pick up some solder? Okay, so uh, what kind? Oh, uh, hmm, not sure, we'll get back to you, dad. <laughs> So throughout the course of the day, I was getting phone calls and text messages. Oh, dad, don't forget to get this thing called flux. We're really not sure what, what you need it for, but we're pretty sure it's going to be important. It has something to do with the soldering process. And so I got a, I got a text message back. Okay, this is what the flux says. Throughout the course of the day, I got a, a shopping list of stuff I needed to pick up. Um, at one point, too, I got, a, I got a text message. Dad, dad, do we have a soldering iron? <laughs> you know, and they, they knew everything that needed to be done. By the time I got home with the supplies later on that afternoon, the guitar was uh, on a workbench. It was ready to go. The wires were there. It was all set up. They had printed out all the documents of what they needed to do. They had a laptop with a YouTube video right there. And they were just bouncing off the walls when I got home. And, you know, they, they didn't even really say hello. They just grabbed the stuff out of my hands. And they went right to the guitar. And they went right at it. The soldering iron was ready. It was hot. They were ready. They were ready. In less than five minutes, they had it soldered. They had never done this before. They had never done this ever before, right? And, and I've never been 
a person who uh, was comfortable with doing that. So I was quite relieved that they had figured it out on their own because I didn't want to show them because I really, I had done it once or twice before, but I wasn't sure I could do a good job. Anyway, so they did all the work. They put it back together. They screwed it in. They ran down the stairs to where their amp was. And uh, the older brother, Levi, sat down on, on one of the steps of the stair. And his younger brother grabbed the cable and he plugged it in. And then there was this pause. And then Levi took his hand and he strummed it. And the sound came out of the amplifier. And it was just an explosion. The guitar got put down. They're running around doing a soupy dance. We did it. We, can, we did it. And then I heard, Dad, Dad, we can fix anything. Wow. Okay. Now, <laughs> that was the start of a decade's worth of, yeah, we can fix anything. And, and, and over the years, both my boys have documented all the things they've built, all the things that they've fixed, all the things that they've created. And this past weekend, or actually yesterday, Levi took his truck apart. He took his electronics apart. And same thing, this time he didn't have to solder it, but he had to actually, well, he did have to do a couple of things. And, and you know, fortunately we've got all the tools. He had a Dremel out and he had to sort of cut away some material and he put the new piece in. He had to cut out the old bolts. And it, it wasn't as easy as he imagined and the instructions didn't cover all the problems. There were a lot of problems, but within an hour he had it done. And there we were sitting out on the road He's on his truck and I'm standing beside him and he turns the key on a diesel truck. You turn the key, it, it actually has to, there's a coil that, that sort of warms things up. And then we're waiting and waiting and waiting because the battery was disconnected. And then as soon as we heard the click, the, the click and then the light went off the dash, he hit the ignition and it just fired up instantly. Better, better than ever before. And then, and then I saw, instead of the Snoopy dance, I saw that little grin on his face and, and he looked at me. Yeah, well, we got this. And, and it was sort of a, it, it wasn't even a big thing. There was barely a green. It was a little bit there, but it, well, of course we got it. I've been doing this for a decade, dad. You know, it's a big deal. This is just what I do, right? It's a problem. I solved it. Um, that is what we want for our learners. That is preparing our learners for life. Whether it is fixing something, whether it is, creating a solution to a problem, whether it is building a business. My, my younger son, Caleb, is building a business right now. And he had a meeting yesterday with um, a, a major show organizer. He's entering um, into a show, a car show, um, it's selective audience. There's going to be about 200 entries. And it's the biggest, it's the second biggest show in the lower mainland. There's one other big show where all the new car vendors um, have put on a show, but this is, this is the show in Western Canada for all the customizers, the tuner culture. So these are people who are modifying Asian cars and there's a certain culture. This is the show in Western Canada. There was, there was a show two weeks ago in Calgary. There was one, you know, it goes across Western Canada, but the Vancouver show is the last one of the season and it's a big one. So everybody from Seattle, SeaTac area, and west and western canada and that we actually last year there were some people from the east who had cars in the show anyway so caleb is has entered this show or his business has entered the show and he met with the organizer and because he's kind of a, a new up-and-comer in in this category of being a customizer he wraps cars um uh, he met with the organizer to see if he could get, get a couple more spaces he's going to have eight of his vehicles that he's he's wrapped in this show and last year when he was wow. leaving the show, 
Last year when he was leaving the show, he had, he had three or four vehicles he had worked on in the show. Last year when he was leaving the show, he said, Dad, Dad, I'm going to have a booth. I'm going to have a booth and I'm going to have lots of cars. Sure enough. I remember he has, that. He, yeah, he has two booths. He has two spaces and he's got eight cars. Not only that, he's got probably one of the hottest cars in Western Canada in terms of this car that everybody knows. It's, it's called the GD Panda. It's a highly customized WRX. And he's going to be doing a custom wrap on it. And um, he's going to be, they're going to be unveiling it uh, at the car show. And so um, he spent, uh, you know, a decade worth of his life building, creating, building bikes, creating things, building things, creating all kinds of things. He's always customized stuff. He, you know, when he was, do, when he was snowboarding and skiing, all his bikes, he's, at, he, he's, he's put together the right colors. It's always been about the aesthetic and so it's a foreman function. So he's always been a foreman function guy. And now he's able to take his interest in life and he's turned it into a business. And this show organizer thanked him yesterday saying that, you know, in, in this industry, there's a lot of guys that are hard to deal with, but you're pretty easy to deal with. And you're able to pull together a lot of people because not only does he have a booth, but he actually has three different companies that he is collaborating with. And he says, uh, the organizer says, we often don't see that. So not only are you able to do good work, but you're actually a decent kid and people like you. And so that, that's kind of a change in this industry. So um, the guy gave him some extra space, which is what he wanted. So <laughs> the reason that I'm, I'm going down this path is, again, both of my boys have grown up and lived in an environment where everything they do is a project. Everything they do um, I've given them the opportunity to take ownership of it and it, and I've encouraged them to find their voice. Now, my, my younger son is finding his voice in terms of a business where he helps people fulfill their dreams. Everybody has a dream about the custom car that they want. Well, his, his, his goal with his business is that he helps people fulfill their, their image of what they want for their vehicles. You know, so he's still working out the actual terminology, but he's a dream maker. He sees that. He sees that his role is to help people fulfill his dreams because he's had a dream for what he wants with every single vehicle he's had over the years, and he translates that dream into reality. So he takes these dreams and he helps people fulfill their dreams. That's an amazing thing. He's contributing to the world. So he's taking his passion in life, chasing his dreams, fulfilling his dreams, and he's helping other people fulfill their dreams. And he's getting paid for it, right? And he's doing cool stuff and he's building a business. He, he's, he, if you were to ask him, he would say he's building an empire. So he's, he's starting, right? So this is pretty cool. But this, this all started with creating a learning environment where my boys were given choice. They were given the opportunity to take ownership. They were given the opportunity to find their voice. They have been building an e-portfolio since they've been little boys, okay? They have been expressing their voice in their racing, in the projects they do, on their websites, in the videos that they create. They've been doing videos for, dec for over a decade, right? They've been expressing themselves. They found their voice. They recognize that their voice is important. And now, my boys who are operating at a national level as athletes, my older son is competing at, at a very significant level. He's finding his voice. He's a spokesperson for companies that he, um, that sponsor him. My, my younger son is finding his voice through his business, through the expression of the aesthetic in the vehicles that he works on. He's, they, they, they find their voice. They use their voice on a daily basis because they're working on real things. So the last decade of, 
them working on real, authentic learning opportunities has prepared them for life. It has prepared them for the future. Now, is this going to be the last business that my younger son, Caleb, starts? Definitely not. Because his goal, he's already thinking about who he's going to sell his business to and what the next business is going to be. So not only are my boys looking at where they are right now, but they're also looking down the road. You know, Levi recognizes, you know, he's in his early 20s, but he also recognizes that, nah, I can't do this beyond my mid-30s, maybe early 40s. So at some point, maybe I have to go back to school. But he, he's thinking about other things that he can do. He's thinking about a book that he might want to write because all the lessons that he's learning in terms of figuring out his nutrition, figuring out the electrolytes, the balance of sodium and potassium and other minerals. So when you're a professional athlete and you're competing outside in the sun, figuring out your electrolyte balance is crucial. He nailed it this past weekend. He said, dad, dad, I got it. I never felt better. He said, yeah, I got the water, I got the food, I got it, I figured, I finally got it, dad. But he's been at this for years. He's been working at finding that balance for years. Now he got it. Guess what? He's got to adjust his mental mindset because that's where he made some mistakes. But the next race coming up in a couple of weeks, well, he's got the nutrition. He's been working on that. And not only that, he's looking at ways that he can share it with other people. So not only has he found his voice, but he's willing to share it with people in the same way my younger son is. So the crucial thing here is if we do create these environments where our learners have choice, ownership, and voice. They have these real world authentic projects that they own. It will change their lives. It never goes away. They can apply these life lessons to everything that they do. So we have the ability as educators to help people fulfill the Henry Ford quote. Whether you believe you can do a thing or not, you're right. We can help prepare people to actually find that reality. We can do that. Well, not only can we do that, I think we need to do that. What are your thoughts? I think you just wrote a chapter in our, I read, spoke a chapter of our learner's mindset book that we're building out right now. Definitely include that. That was a great example and it fits perfectly into that, that whole notion. I was thinking about, you know, taking this back to the standpoint of an educator. And you know, I, immediately when I thought of your sons, and this might be a, a strange parallel, but I thought of Abraham Lincoln and how, you know, one of our former presidents, how he used to be, he was a lumberjack, he was working with the cherry trees, he had an ax in his hand, you know, and, and the story goes that he wanted to be something bigger, something more, something better, right? And, and so his, his, his sights were out here. He was educating himself. He went to school. He eventually worked his way up to you know, the presidency, which is kind of unlikely for someone like him, little old guy out of Illinois, right? And I think as educators, sometimes we focus so much on what he did. And, and if you ask a student, you know, what did you learn? Well, I'm learning history. But what's critical about the shift in thinking here, and it kind of goes back to your story is, are we talking to our students about that mindset? So yeah, everyone might think and believe that this is what you were meant to do. And, and you know, you're, you're a, you chop down trees or you're a lumberjack, whatever it is that you've done. Um, but is your, are we helping kids to understand what they believe, what they're passionate about and where their mindset is? He wasn't constrained by what he was meant to do by his peers and the people around him 
he, you know, Abraham Lincoln was thinking bigger picture. Where am I going from here? What, what do I really want to do? And so every time that you were mentioning your boys, I started thinking back to that, you know, when I used to, to, to uh, teach some of those concepts, you know, I, I, I don't want my kids to focus on we're just learning history and we're learning about this former president. It's history. That's what we're doing. No, it's more than that. There's a mindset there. And I don't think I've ever heard any of my teachers discuss that with me. What, what was his bigger picture? Where was he looking to go? Making those connections are critical so that our kids can think like that too. They can go, okay, what, if this is my goal and this is where I want to be, what is the mindset I need to have to go down that pathway and to get there? I may not see it very clearly all the way through and I may need coaching and help and mentoring and, and a great father. I may need help to get to that point, but I can, I can focus on that once I get clear about what I'm doing, where I'm going. And, um, and you know, it's just, it, the pathway is never straight, right? We, we take all these curves and you know, we have to find our way. But, you know, and, and bringing this back to our program, this to me, it resonates perfectly with our students building out their e-portfolios and how that process is not just isolated to one course and building out their innovation plan. It's just, you know, one, you know, here we are, this one spot in this one space and we just kind of put all of our assignments there. No, actually, this is so much bigger than that. You know, your e-portfolio is yours. You, you had the choice and platform and the tools and how you want to organize it and how you want to structure it. And what you put onto that e-portfolio, your innovation plan, your ideas, ways of influencing people, ways of setting up significant learning environments and looking at, and, at uh, learning from a local and global context. So as educators, think this is yours, you own this. This is something that goes with you beyond uh, your program of study. It's so much bigger than you know, the work that you're doing, your innovative ideas, where you're going. It's all, you know, the e-portfolio is a place to reflect, feedback, collaborate. When I think of what, you know, what our educators are doing, they can actually be using the EP in this way. It's so much more than just a, you know, as one of our students called it, a repository that collects EDUS. <laughs> I'll never forget that. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's really documenting their journey. And they're, 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 our students are doing what your students, what your sons have been doing for 10 plus, maybe 20 years. <laughs> yeah, the, the potential is, is amazing. And I, I really appreciate you pointing out that we have to start with that mindset. We have to get our learners to the point where they're recognizing they need to develop and take ownership and nurture their own learner's mindset. So we create the circumstances in the program where the learners have the opportunity to develop and grow into that learner's mindset. But I, I wanna go one more step beyond the learner's mindset and point to what happens when we do adopt that learner's mindset. So it, let's say we our, our learners go down that path. Um, and let's use maybe ourselves as an, as an example. So um, I, I often tell my students, or wherever, whether, whatever, whatever course I'm in or workshop I'm doing, I, I apologize to people ahead of time and let them know, even though I've been doing this for three decades, I've never been able to teach anybody anything because I'm not a really good teacher. And I say, well, actually, I'm not a teacher. I'm a learner. And the best that I can do is create an environment that will help you learn. So I'm a learning facilitator. Now. I, I sometimes do that to get them to recognize that it is about the learning, but I'm really starting to realize, well, actually that is who I am. And the belief in the fact that I'm a professional learner, that's what I, that's what I am. I've never stopped learning. I have an insatiable curiosity. I read constantly. 
you know, I, I read book, books a week and listen to books and podcasts and, and we live in the most amazing time to be a learner. There's so much out there. The world of abundance is just amazing. I, I'm excited every day to learn something new and what, what, what am I going to uncover and how can I apply that to my life? I live in this state of perpetual learning. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It's a blast. I love it. I'm having fun. And I want to share that with my learners. Because I believe I'm this lifelong learner, I'm this learning facilitator, the environment that I create, the beliefs, the values, the implicit curriculum that I share with my learner through my actions, through my modeling, is that of a learner. And my number one goal is to change the world one learner at a time, meaning I have to help people believe that they too can be a lifelong learner and that anything is within your grasp if you view the world as a learner. If you become this perpetual lifelong learner and if you create the environment where you share that learning with your students, it's going to change their lives. Mm -hmm. So that belief in who I am Mm -hmm. is extremely important. That's my identity, right? So going back to the Henry Ford quote, right? Whether you believe you can do a thing or not, you're right. Well, what you believe you are is going to influence the things that you do and influence the people around you. I'm a learner. I love learning. I share that with my learner. It's a very different message than if you believe I'm a teacher. I teach. I share that with my learner. What do we do as teachers? Now, there's nothing wrong with being a teacher, and it's a wonderful responsibility, but a teacher at their heart is a learner. And all teachers, I believe, need to shift their identity from being a teacher to being a learner and share their passion for learning. Most teachers got into the the discipline of teaching not because of the big bucks. We don't make a lot of money. They're dreamers. They're idealists. They believe that they can help people. They can help people because they actually want to help people to learn. But what ends up happening is our system of education forces them into the system of teaching. When, in all honesty, I would argue every single teacher out there is a learner. And if we can get them to shift their focus from being just a teacher to being a learner who is sharing their passion for learning, then we're preparing, they, then they can prepare their learners for life. It's that shift of focus, but it's that identity perspective that can actually make a world of difference. And, and I, I think we have to make this more explicit in terms of letting people know that's where we want you to go. In our DLL program, we tell people that we're creating this environment. We give you choice. We give you uh, ownership. We give you voice. We give you real world authentic projects because we want you to create that learning environment for your learners. We are modeling learning, perpetual learning, lifelong learning, insatiable learning, because we want our students in our program to do the same. We're learners. We're lifelong learners. So it starts with a mindset, but then it actually is part of our identity. And that, I think, is when we get to that point, that mindset and the identity is sort of that magic secret sauce that can make all the difference in the world. I think that's, yeah, that's a great summary. And it, it really does bring to attention that part of our significant learning environment that is critical 
to even embrace all of the other pieces around it. I think of an educator as a learner, meaning you and your students sort of have that shared learning experience together where you actually teach each other. And that's that facilitator mentor role. So you're not standing in front of the room teaching all the time, you know, and, and telling, 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 because that then again, you're telling the kids what to learn. If it's not important to them, they don't really care. They're not going to learn it. Stuff it in their short-term memory and adios. I know I did it in high school. <laughs> Pass and test. And that's that system of education you're talking about. But if we come alongside our learners and have that shared learning experience where they see that we're passionate about something, they become passionate too. Maybe they're not always passionate about the topic and maybe you aren't, you aren't either as an educator. But if you're always in the mindset of continually learning, it doesn't really matter what the topic is. You wanna know something more about it and how you can apply it to your life or how you can apply it to what you're doing in, in your big picture or where you're going with your life. You know, There's not a thing that I can think of, even off topic, things that maybe I'm not so passionate about, like trigonometry. There's always ways to connect that back to what it is you're looking to do in your life. There, if, you, if you consider yourself as a learner, I get that. And so the biggest thing I think we as teachers can do is really to have a shared learning experience with our students and learn together and we teach each other. It's not the sole responsibility of the teacher to be the you know, person of, that imparts knowledge or the student that, uh, soaks and absorbs. We should be soaking and absorbing too. We should be modeling and doing the things that we are asking our learners to do because if we do these together, that that to me is where the role shifts a little bit and we start to understand ourselves and what you found after 40 or so years, however long it took you to realize you were a learner, we can find that earlier on if we allow ourselves. Again, breaking down those stuck barriers of what an educator or a teacher really is and allowing ourselves to grow in the way that we need to grow to be the person we want to become, just like we want to give our learners those opportunities to be the person they want to become too. You know, before we wrap this up, I, I wanna add one more little benefit. And, and this is really important because, you know, you and I have a goal in the OL program that we wanna change the world one learner at a time. And, and you know what? I think with this mindset, we can actually do that. And I'm, I'm gonna give you a very practical example. And again, I'm gonna go to my longitudinal study. So. Um, you and I spend a lot of time working with our learners in the growth mindset. And, and one of the key characteristics of Dweck's growth mindset is that people who have a growth mindset are willing to see others who are successful as people they can learn from and they can learn from the success of others, right? So, um, whereas if you've got a fixed mindset, then you see competition and other successful people as, you know, people who can actually make you look bad and so you want to avoid them, right? You know, they, they aren't people that you can benefit from being around. Well, with both of my boys, it's really important to see how significant that growth mindset is. So, my older son, Levi, who's racing, um, he's realized how important it is to race with other fast guys or practice with other fast guys. So he's gone out of his way to connect with other guys who are better than him. And he will say, hey, I'm going riding, you know, um, it's my truck, my gas, do you wanna come with me? So he spends time searching out other pro riders who are better than him and he rides with them and he works with them and he talks with them and he learns from them. It, it's, it, it's sort of that final piece that he's recognized how important it is. And by contributing to that community, he's helping them get better, they're helping him get better. And he and the guys that he's working with are improving the sport. Because when they're out and about, you get a bunch of pro riders hanging out, 
it was wonderful. To, I had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to, to be in a parking lot where a bunch of these young guys um, were talking to other people. And, and people look up to professional athletes. And so they have an ability to influence people. So it was wonderful to see that. Now, with my younger son, sure, he also races. Um, but he also, in his business community, he realized, Dad, you know what? I got to find other really successful people. You know, I, 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 I'm looking at the business community and I need to learn from other people who are doing stuff that I, you know, want to do. So he's found a lawyer that he's associating with one of his former employer, uh, employers that he worked for a few years ago. He connected with him because this guy is doing some amazing work all across North America. So he's recognizing that there's people out there and his number one of his top priorities is to actually build a network of people that he can learn from a network of his competition, right? Cause he can learn from them right now. If we help our learners develop this growth mindset, if we help them develop the learner's mindset, which I think is a step beyond the growth mindset, if we help them reach this identity of being this lifelong learner, I think we're also helping to improve our world. Because if you, the more people who come together, who've got this amazing, positive, wonderful attitude towards learning, towards sharing, because guess what? If you're willing to learn from others, you're willing to share with others. This is a good thing. We want that in our world. We can improve our world if we go down this path. We can make a difference. So I, I firmly believe we aren't just preparing our learner for the test. We aren't just preparing them for college. We aren't just preparing them for their employment. We are preparing them for life if we help them through the learning environment we create, if we give them the choice, if we give them the ownership, if we give them the opportunity to find their voice in something that is real and significant, we can actually change the world through their world. This makes everything we do worthwhile. We are changing the world one learner at a time. It's kind of exciting. Uh, it, uh, and I think it's working. I think so too. So let's, uh, let's wrap up there before I, I tear up and get a little bit too misty. So. <laughs>